following Sunday in Luke 16, when Jesus tells uh, the story, the, the eyewitness account of the rich man lifts up, lifts up his eyes in hell, and Lazarus, who finds himself in Abraham's bosom. And that's really, uh, we don't want to see anyone not know the Lord uh, and, and end up uh, in eternal uh, separation and punishment. Uh, but that's what's so great about hearing these testimonies is people like ourselves that once were in darkness. And I hope it, it continues to stir our hearts. I enjoyed uh, hearing Shoba and uh, Trevor last week, even though I knew uh, a good portion of Shoba's, not all of it. That was great to hear the whole, and I had knew most of Trevor's, but I'm looking forward. I've never heard Nicole's. I've heard little bits and pieces. And Zach's I've heard, but I'm sure I'll hear something I hadn't heard. So uh, we're going to have uh, those uh, two folks tonight. So uh, I'm going to invite Nicole to come up. And I'm going to give you this, because I know that last time when we tried to... We did record, if you got to the website, both the testimonies are already uh, on our website from last week. But uh, we're going to give her the earpiece so it records better. Here you go. I'm Nicole, and um, I am very excited to be able to share my testimony with you guys tonight. So I actually grew up in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania, and uh, we lived on a dirt road surrounded by nothing but fields and dairy farms and lots and lots of family around us. I did not grow up in a Christian house. My mom at least took my brother and I to church on Sundays and dropped us off to a little country church just down the road from us. And it happens to be the same church that my dad went to occasionally growing up and that my parents were married in when they were just 18 and 19 years old and that my brother and I were baptized in as babies just a few years after that. So I would say that my parents were more holiday believers. Um, they came to our Christmas programs and they came to Easter service, but that was pretty much it as far as I can remember. <clears throat> But through our church, we had the opportunity to go to a camp uh, every summer called Miracle Mountain Ranch. And this camp was also, of course, in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. And um, every day for a week, we um, went through confidence courses in the woods. We played kickball. We swam. We went on uh, horse trail rides. And it was just such an awesome place for a kid. And at night, we would have chapel service every evening. And uh, we would spend our nights in bunk houses, in sleeping bags, and have flashlight wars and all kinds of stuff. It was just, it was awesome to do as a kid and a great time. But one of the things that stuck out most to me about that place is how much everybody prayed there. We prayed before we played kickball. We prayed before we went swimming. We prayed before we rode horses. That was something that I had never really seen or experienced before. I think the only time that we really prayed in my house growing up was maybe over Thanksgiving meal or something like that. So to me, that was just foreign, um, but I really enjoyed it. I knew that my parents believed in the Bible, and I know they believed who Jesus said he was, but they had absolutely no relationship with him. But it was at this church camp that I was saved. I was probably around nine years old. I don't remember exactly, but I do remember everything else about that evening. Uh, that year at the church camp, they were building a new chapel. So we had our chapel services at night underneath the stars. 
and um, they had folding chairs set up in aisles and lights strung around outside and a makeshift stage. And I remember the songs that we sang and I remember just um, them pouring God's love into us. And most importantly, at that age, I remember, even at that young age, I remember knowing that I had a need for a savior. And it was then that I gave my life to God, to Christ. And um, so I went home after that week and I, tried to live the best um, Christian walk I could as a nine-year-old coming from an unbelieving home. Um, but soon after that, my um, life was kind of turned upside down. When I was 10 years old, my parents divorced. And it definitely wasn't a pretty divorce if there is really such a thing. Uh, my parents argued all the time. They really couldn't talk to one another. And um, they put each other down in front of my brother and I and just created really a, a bad environment. And soon after they separated, we were introduced to my dad's girlfriend. And then shortly after that, we were introduced to my mom's new boyfriend. And, um, you know, just kind of struggled through all those changes that were happening so rapidly when I was so young. But um, when I was 11, things really uh, changed a lot because I came home from that same uh, summer camp and found out that I was living somewhere else. While I was gone, they packed up and my mom moved in with her boyfriend in another town and my brother moved in with our dad in another town. So um, my brother and I would now end up living about 45 minutes away from each other, seeing each other on weekends and um, not really having much of a relationship anymore. So my little world was kind of turned upside down at that point at 11 years old. And I kind of eventually settled into our new life. I found a new church to go to uh, in our new town, and my mom would still continue to drop me off on Sundays and eventually on Fridays for the youth group and everything. And my um, mom's boyfriend was actually a Mason, part of the Masonic organization, so he got me involved in the Rainbow Girls program, which is the Masonic organization for young girls. So I was a part of that through most of my teenage years. And everything seemed to be going good. You know, after all, I was kind of the good kid. So on the outside, everything looked like it was going really good. And I don't know if my mom chose not to see it or if she really didn't see it. But on the inside, I was really falling apart. I was really struggling. And um, I was definitely afraid to ask for help in any kind of way. I struggled for years with insomnia and fear, anxiety, and depression, and it really kind of wreaked havoc on my teenage years. But by my uh, junior year in high school, I pretty much stopped going to that church. I had some issues there within the youth group that were never really resolved, and um, just stopped going altogether. And by my senior year in high school, I decided that I wanted to fit in with all the cool kids, and I wanted to have friends and do what they were doing, so I started drinking and doing drugs and spending my senior year partying. Um, one month after I graduated high school, I left for college, and I moved to Pittsburgh, which was definitely a college shock for me, coming from a farm town, and um, that only fueled my... my poor choices even more, and my relationship with God was pretty much non-existent at that point. Um, so after college, my friend and I decided that it would be an awesome idea to move 1,500 miles away from home on our own, so we moved out to Colorado. Uh, we packed everything up and moved away and continued our partying lifestyle there, but Colorado is actually where I met my husband. 
And um, four years, or four months after I moved there, uh, we ended up working at the same hotel. And uh, we were working the same shift together and we started to get to know each other and found out that we really had a lot in common because we both really loved to party. So, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so pretty much from the, the time we started dating, we were inseparable, we were always together. Um, and we continued our poor decisions as far as how we were living. And um, so pretty soon he came to me one night and said that he was tired of living the way that he was living and that he wanted to go back to living for God because he was saved as a child too and he walked away in his teenage years. And when he said that to me, I said I agreed and I wanted to change too, but I'm pretty sure I really only halfway agreed or felt that I should because I kind of didn't want to give up the party and lifestyle that I was doing. But nevertheless, we started looking for churches and we finally came across our first Calvary Chapel, which was in Aurora, Colorado. And um, we started going there and that church to me was so foreign because it was really the first time I had been to a church where they taught the word on a Sunday morning and I learned so much um, just chapter by chapter verse by verse and we really started to grow there it was also different for me because it was the first time I had been to a church that had contemporary worship and people that seemed real they didn't put on the the fake church attitude on Sunday mornings and lived one way the rest of the week it was just very genuine, and um, that's where we both together came back to Christ. And it was through that church, um, and it definitely did not happen overnight. We still struggled. We let um, we were kind of living one foot in the world and still trying to be at church on Sunday, and that went on for a while. And then in December of 2004, we were married, and um, you know we still struggled. We'd spend times making great decisions and really moving ahead and then we kind of relapse and go back to our old habits and it wasn't until one night when um, Vic had a dream that God came to him in and I won't tell you a lot about it because that's really his testimony but ever since that night we both completely quit everything that we were doing um, and really changed our lives he completely healed us from all of our desires and just took everything away from us in an instant we no longer struggled we no longer had temptations or anything and it was just so awesome that it happened together that we both came together because we were definitely failing at coming separate we spent so long just really not giving our life over fully over to god and letting him change us i think we were trying to do it on our own but he did heal us of our addictions and he set us free from the, the bondage of the drugs and alcohol. And shortly after that, we really felt God closing the door on Colorado for us. And that was, of course, right after we said that we would never leave because we left Colorado or we loved Colorado so much. But God did, in fact, close the door on Colorado and open a new door for us in Tennessee. So we packed everything up and moved away from our past and onto a new life with Christ. We moved to Nashville where we spent two years there and we found another Calvary Chapel. I was re-baptized at that church, this time as a public confession of my faith, and we both served in the church a lot. Um, we, you know, we did a lot to serve in that church and to um, help out there, and it was definitely a great period of growth for both of us where we learned how to walk in the Lord and um, to rely on Him and trust in Him. 
but um, we only spent about two years there and then God moved us on to another town in t Tennessee um, for a job opportunity there. And this town was pretty small, but they still had a Calvary Chapel. So we found yet another Calvary Chapel. This one was quite small. It was about 35 to maybe 40 people on a good Sunday. And um, there's not a lot of room to serve in a church that size, but we still found ways to serve and to help out. And um, in that town and at that church is where God blessed us with Seth. So, um, that was in 2010 that we had Seth. And then after we had him, we really had a desire to be closer to family and the right kind of family. So uh, we had a desire to move here to Virginia where my mom was already living in the Charlottesville area. And we waited on God. We were waiting on his timing to open a door to be able to move here. So eventually he did. And we moved here about four and a half years ago and here we are at yet another Calvary Chapel. <laughs> so, um, you know, throughout the years and the many moves and the many struggles that we had, God has really taught me and continues to teach me to rely on him and him alone to provide and wait on him and his will for our lives. He truly has changed the desires of my heart. And... Um, and most recently, he has blessed us in a tremendous way. Uh, a little over a year ago, we've been really praying about Seth and schooling for him because he starts uh, kindergarten this fall, so in a couple weeks. And so we'd been praying about it, and we really felt God calling us to homeschool him. But we didn't know how it would work out because I worked 50-some hours a week, and um, I would need to be able to stay home, and it was really our desire. And so we prayed about it and just kind of trusted in God and waited on him and his timing. And, you know, of course, God's timing is absolutely perfect because just, um, just under a month ago, Vic was offered a full-time position that would allow me to quit my 50-hour-a-week job and work part-time. So um, he took that job. Yay. <laughs> And um, right away after that, um, God provided a job for me as well to where I can work part-time. And not only can I only work part-time, but I get to do it at home. So here in just a couple weeks, we get to start homeschooling Seth. And I started my new job yesterday, praise God. And... Um, <laughs> You know, what I really love about testimonies and hearing people's testimonies is that they don't stop at the day you are saved. They, that's really only the beginning because God continues to teach you and to change your testimony as you rely on him. And he continues to grow you in the Lord until your last breath. So your testimony is always changing. I am definitely not proud of the life that I once lived. Um, but I am so thankful to God for pulling me out of that lifestyle. He took away my desires and gave me his desires. And because of my sins, Jesus was nailed to a cross. But because of his grace, I am here today. So I don't know the exact dates. are a little hazy for me. But um, <laughs> I came back to Christ about 12 years ago. And I have been sober for almost 10. So. That was great, wasn't it? 
hearing different people, um, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, just a reminder too for us as parents, what a value um, God, having godly parents, you know, when Nicole's parents didn't have a walk with the Lord. Divorce is tough enough as it is, but, uh, you know, at least in some cases, you know, I know that there's folks in here that have either suffered divorce or, uh, or have lost a spouse due to death, um, but still having parents that actually follow the Lord, you know, God uses those kind of wandering years and brought you back, and, and others can relate to that, but uh, those of us that our parents and have kids, uh, boy, don't we want uh, them to have a different testimony than us. It's great to hear the testimonies and what God's done, because I'm sure you guys with Seth, you don't want him to have the 12-year gap. Uh, you don't want that. And, uh, and, but yet, it's neat to see how God's used uh, each move along the way. The little Calvary chapels, Sarah and I remember being in a really tiny one in Charlotte, we got saved in an enormous one, uh, but uh, God uses each of those places along the way. I'm glad you finally came to Richmond. I hope you're done moving because we, we enjoy having you here. Uh, and now that uh, God's opened up some new doors, looking forward to seeing what, as you said, God continues to add to our testimony over time. Uh, but uh, you know, looking out here, I see a lot of you that are from different parts of the country or different uh, backgrounds, different places. It's just a, a great thing to hear. So uh, our next uh, up is Zach Miller, if you want to come up here. I'm Zach Miller. Um, most of you guys know me, but uh, if you don't, I'm actually from a Jewish family, so I I'm still consider myself Jewish. Uh, if someone went up to me on the street just to save a little time, I would tell them I'm a Christian believer, but it's good conversation starters as well if you say you're a Jewish believer, so it gets, uh, gets the conversation going. But um, I grew up in a contemporary uh, Jewish temple, and um, kind of a misconception, I think, about maybe at least contemporary Jews is, uh, if a, for a Christian at least, is they actually don't necessarily believe that this, at least the first part of this, uh, the Torah, is literally like the Word of God, that these are literal stories. They're really good. Um, that's, what they, that's what they think they are, just uh, stories, not historical uh, stories. And so they use those to teach people how to live a good life in, in the right context that they want. Um, so I went to one of those contemporary temples. We didn't really believe in the Torah, didn't have really great Bible studies. Like if you're new here, you're visiting, uh, Tim goes verse by verse in the Bible most of the time, and it's, uh, it's really awesome. So I encourage you to come on Sundays as well. But um, So you wouldn't go through the Bible verse by verse. Uh, a good way to kind of... Um, I liken it to is 
a, uh, maybe like a contemporary Catholic church where there's a lot of maybe cultural or ritualism, but really not um, any, uh, any relationship. But um, so anyway, as a really young kid, God put uh, a, a desire to learn about history a lot. He just, I always wanted to know like the who and the what and the why growing up. A good example, even in a synagogue on Friday nights, we'd, my family and I, we would stand up and they'd start singing the songs, and I would sit there quiet, and I would read the English translation while everyone would read the English pronunciation of the Hebrew. So when, sometimes when Jews will actually speak Hebrew, they don't even know what they're saying, so it's very similar to you know, Catholicism where you would speak Latin in the church. So we would be up there singing these great tunes and songs, and I'd have no idea what we were saying, and so my parents would start hit me saying, sing the song, and I would say, well, I want to know what I'm singing. I want to know what, what this is all about. Um, so uh, I'll fast forward a little bit. I actually, um, when I got to college, went to Virginia Tech. Boo, or yes. <laughs> um, the um, kind of that thirst for truth and that thirst for history just kind of really came alive at that point. I really didn't have, I started really thinking on my own a little bit, not just what my parents would say or my friends would say. Um, and uh, so I was looking in just to history, economics, politics, and um, I kind of came to this realization that there's this really like o- overarching kind of system, if you will, that le- leans heavily toward evil. And and I came to really understand it was, it was almost like a, well, it's not almost, there's this really this supernatural thing going on um, where I didn't understand, you know, why, uh, why is there just high level of corruption everywhere? Why are there child kidnapping rings? Just crazy things like that. And, um, and it just, I really had this realization like, oh my gosh, like there's no other explanation besides that there's truly evil in the world. And, uh, and that kind of hit home with me. And I think sometimes, you know, like they say in, with the gospel, you have to know the bad news you have to know how bad the bad news is before you know how good the good news is. And so I kind of came to that realization that there's something supernaturally bad going on with, uh, with humans, um, with creation and everything. And um, so I came to this realization. I said, well, okay, if there's evil, then maybe there's, maybe there's the, you know, at that time I thought of it, well, maybe it's kind of like the yin and the yang. Like, okay, if there's supernatural evil, then... I know there has to be supernatural good too, or I think there is. And um, so my, I was on the four and a half year college plan. Um, it's when uh, you do a lot of things like, uh, like Nicole shared in her testimony. You know, I wasn't, didn't have any, um, didn't have a strong moral compass. You know, I actually thought I was better than most people. Growing up as a kid, I would, um, you know, I would see a lot of churchgoers or people that were maybe Christian in name only. Um, and I would see the lifestyle they live, and I would say, okay, they're, they're at about a 4. I think I'm about like an 8.5, so I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I don't, don't need... And by the way, my parents, you know, very loving parents. We lived, you know, a very, um, you know, just amazing, you know, amazing parents, good life, not, nothing really to con- complain about. Um, and, you know, I did have... I went, uh, just to backtrack just slightly, I grew up in Williamsburg, Virginia, just down the road. Um, not exactly a large Jewish community there. Our temple was a small little house, um, basically. And uh, so, you know, I got picked on a lot for, for being Jewish. And, you know, these kids were going to the Christian academies and, and things like that. And so I said, well, 
you know, there's, there's no difference there. So anyway, fast forward back to my last semester of college. Uh, my best friend from elementary school, and I don't mean we've been best friends since elementary school. He was my best friend in elementary school. He, um, quote unquote, randomly ran into my parents while my parents um, are both Hokies as well, and they were there um, during the summer, and they ran into uh, my long-lost best friend named Adam, and he said, oh, what are you doing here? He said, oh, I'm looking for a place to stay. I need someone to stay for one semester. And they said, oh, well, Zach has a place, and he needs someone to stay for one semester. So Adam moved in with me, and he was one of those, um, you know, and I knew him in high school, but we just weren't friends anymore, and he was one of those... um, you know, churchgoers, I actually ran into him at, you know, at events at, um, at Virginia Tech on the weekends on my freshman year and stuff like that. So I kind of saw what he was doing back then. This is fast forward about four years later. And he became a, um, you know, born again, filled with the Spirit believer. And um, I'm really thankful for the discernment that the Holy Spirit gave him um, at that time uh, because he never really approached me with the gospel, um, like laying it down and saying, you know, have you ever stolen before? You know, have you ever lusted? Well, you've just committed, you know, you're a thief and you're an adulterer in in Jesus and you you need Jesus to be forgiven for those sins. He didn't do anything like that. But what he did tell me after the fact, when I approached him, uh, is he uh, he said he prayed for me every day. Um, So that was just a really cool thing, you know, the power of prayer um, right there in my life. so, and at the same time, when I'm kind of going through this, you know, kind of information overload, I just wanted to know the truth. So I was looking everywhere, and um, so I found a guy online that talked about current events, but he always tied it back to Christianity and Jesus, and, um, you know, that was just God, you know, I was receiving the gospel um, in that way. I just wasn't ready for it, but um, so long story short, I was just feeling, you know, almost almost depressed, I would say, just about how I saw my, my worldview, and, and um, so anyway, I, I, um, I said, well, you know, I have this open-ended approach to let me find out information, you know, being a history buff and everything, so I said, well, let me search, I'll start the Bible, I'll start with the Torah, at least I can go back to, to my ancestors and, and start there, and this is uh, right after I graduated in January of 2010, and so I opened up my Bible, uh, my Torah, um, called the Tanakh, and I read uh, Psalms 3, and I'll just read a portion of it, and it said, um, Lord, how they have increased who troubled me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory, and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. And then it says, "I, I lie down and I slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. And that uh, verse just exploded off the page, and I wrote it down. It was the first Bible verse I ever wrote down, was Psalm 3. And, um, and, uh, and it just exploded off the page, and I went to bed that night, and I probably prayed the most sincere prayer I'll ever pray in my life. And I just said, you know, God, I want to know the truth. If Jesus is the truth, I want to follow him. And then all of a sudden I felt a, uh, a, just a strong conviction from the Lord. And I didn't even know to call it sin at the time, but I just said, and God, please forgive me for all the bad stuff I've done. And, um, and just, just tell me the truth. That's all. I want to know the truth, and, then, and I want to follow the truth. Um, so that night, 
And I do want to share one other uh, verse. So we know that uh, this war that I thought we were in was an intellectual war, was a you know, geopolitical war, if you will. But um, we're, the war that we're really in is a spiritual war. And uh, Ephesians uh, 6, verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against uh, principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spirit, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so that night after I prayed this uh, prayer, I started to fall asleep. And... Um, a little bit after that, I just felt this very strong, just negative um, presence in the room. And once I realized that I felt something, uh, like I felt, felt this strong negative presence, all of a sudden I felt um, like what I thought were like hands like pressing down on me into my bed. I felt myself sink into my bed and just terror came over me. I couldn't move a muscle in my body. Um, and it was just a very terrifying experience. And um, I had no idea what was going on. But, uh, you know, I remembered Adam, and I, and I remembered hearing this guy online, you know, speak of Jesus and, and Christianity and everything. So I had a very rudimentary uh, understanding of, of who Jesus was and what he can do for me. So I actually emailed this, this guy, and he said, well, uh, it just so happened that he had a ministry about it. The medical term that people use for it is called sleep paralysis. But, you know, what we all know it is. It's basically a demonic attack. We're in a spiritual warfare. And he just told me, just trust in God, trust in Jesus. If this ever happens to you again, just pray in the name of Jesus. Just say the name Jesus. And I uh, shared the same story with Adam. And then he told, you know, shared with me that he was praying for me every day. And, and uh, he kind of reaffirmed the same thing. And so that's kind of started my journey of becoming a Christian. I wasn't, uh, I guess you could say maybe at that point was a, was a moment of faith in Christ. Uh, my public confession was actually here at this church. But um, anyway, so this happened to me in a pretty recent succession, maybe about four or five times, and every time I would just think the name Jesus or say the name Jesus, and it would stop instantly. I would I'd be taking naps or I'd be about to go to sleep, and I would just feel a demonic attack come over me. And um, it even got to the point where I was just saying, like, whoa, like, there is power in the name of Jesus. Like, I, that's why I love that song, you know, there's power in the name of Jesus. And... Um, and so I, I, you know, I was still kind of living the same lifestyle, but at the same time, I just could not get over, you know, this, just this, uh, these incredible, um, I guess, experiences, if you will. And so I knew, like, from day one, before I even emailed the guy, like, I knew I was in, and I knew that, you know, I was going to be a Christian, and, uh, and you know, I, I just knew I couldn't be crazy. And it happened to me, it's probably happened to me maybe about 12 or 15 times throughout my life. But every time I would just think the name Jesus. I mean, even just think the name Jesus, it would, it would stop. And early on, I would just pray out loud, like, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. And it got to a point where even um, the spirit or uh, would, I would wake up from a nap and I'd feel like a hand covering my mouth. So like it knew, like, don't say the name Jesus. So then I would think the name Jesus and it would stop. So praise the Lord. Um, you know, just the name of Jesus is so powerful. And um, so, you know, I've told, told my story, this to my parents and everything, and keep praying for them. They're, um, they're not believers yet. Um, they're pre-believers, as, as Tim uh, says. And um, I just want to be encouragement. If you have family members out there or anything, like I was literally the last person on earth. Like if you were going to take a, a bet against me of becoming a believer and being up here sharing my testimony, I'd literally be the last guy I would think. 
Um, so be encouraged by that and, uh, and be in prayer. Um, and uh, so the rest of my testimony is really just a, a story of praise of what God's done in my life. Um, I was, you know, in the typical, um, you know, sinful desires of, of a, a young person. And, uh, but praise the Lord, man, um, I've come to love conviction because I wasn't involved in a church. This happened about a year before I came to Calvary Chapel, by the way, all, all this. And I just didn't want to come to a church. And I thought, you know, they were all hypocritical. And, um, and actually, the guy who I emailed, I emailed him again about some other stuff. And he said, you know, you need to go to a church and you should check out Calvary Chapel. Um, and so this is actually the first uh, door of a church that I've ever darkened, and it was the first one. I remember walking up and seeing the office building and saying, well, if they don't really care about the outside, then the inside must be really good. Um, and so it actually encouraged me to come. So it's a, it's a bittersweet that we're leaving for me. This place is very sentimental, but at the same time, I am also really excited about the new place. Um, have a little bit more of a uh, of a traditional uh, look to it, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the rest of my story quickly. I know we don't have a lot of time, but is um, just God doing a work in my life where um, I would have these sinful desires, and you know, I was I was listening to sermons and listening to this guy online, and and uh, it's really cool, just a, a tidbit. He was probably about like 50-50, just about current events and talking about the gospel, and if you go look at his stuff now, it's like 110% the gospel, so I just think that's so cool how God knew that like, I needed someone to co- kind of come up the the rank of importance, if you will, with, um, with things to be informed on. You know, now I want to be more informed about... Uh, the Word of God than about like history or economics or anything. So, um, uh, so yeah, I, I would just come to a point where I was trying to do it on my own without a church and even in my own flesh, and I just would keep falling back into these sins. And then finally, at one point, it clicked, and I just said, like, God, I, I can't do this without you. I need you, and please remove these desires. Um, and uh, essentially, um, overnight, he removed all these desires um, after some prayer. Um, and then just the very end of my testimony, I love the, the verse, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Um, you know, I was praying for a, a godly wife and I was praying for um, all these things. And, um, you know, Calvary Chapel Richmond isn't exactly a... Uh, a um, uh, a, uh, a Christian nightclub, if you will, for lack of a better term, but I just kept focusing on God, and if you see the beautiful woman in the scrubs right there, that's my wife, um, and, um, and I re- actually I remember seeing her for the first time and saying, oh, don't look over at that 15-year-old girl, and I just went right up the stairs, um, and, uh, and so that's just another testimony is, um, you know, I was, you know, so focused on just my new relationship with God, and I knew I wanted all these other things like a wife and, and uh, you know, be able to provide and, and things like that. And, and, um, but uh, just seek first the kingdom of God. And all those things that we see big, God will just, you know, bless you with. And um, that's certainly been my, my uh, testimony. Um, so praise the Lord. Thank you. Nope, we're not exactly match.com here, are we, folks? Um, 
But we've, we've managed to marry a few of you off, uh, which is uh, really cool. Um, you know, Sean and uh, Sarah as well. And uh, the, there's not a lot to choose from. So you're, you know, it, it has to be the Lord. Young people so far. Um, but uh, I mean, most, I mean by that is most everybody here is married and we don't have a you know, large college and career group, but yet we've had uh, you know, Lee and Zach and and Sean and Sarah, and, and, now, and you guys just two months ago, so it's been neat to see. Uh, but uh, now I realize we are not going to do any fixing up on the new building. If, uh, if, that, if having an ugly exterior is helping, you know, we, we should keep... No, I'm kidding. Uh, we're still going to do... Um, I know what you mean. I remember when we, when we, you know, we grew up uh, going to a, a traditional church building, which uh, if the Holy Spirit is flowing... Is going to is going to be a great thing for us over on Genito. It really will be. Uh, on the other hand, you know, when we first got set, when we first got invited to Calvary Chapel Fort Lauderdale, the fact that it was in a warehouse really did speak to us. I mean, it was like that was unusual to us. It's not as unusual now. Actually, a lot of churches around the country have adopted Calvary Chapel models and have actually chose these. Now you have warehouse churches all over the country, but that are all different denominations. But uh, but I think for people that are coming from a and in your case, a Jewish temple background or a non-religious background, anything that's different than what they were used to, if it's, if it's heavy hypocrisy, if it's being picked on because you're Jewish, if it's being, you know, just kind of, uh, you know, seeing people go through the motions, all of that stuff, uh, when you see the real thing, it, it struck us when we walked into Calvary Chapel Fort Lauderdale, there was diversity, and there was people really with their hands up in the air. And I had never seen people really worship God. So when you see people genuinely worship with tears running down your face, like, these people really believe this stuff. Maybe I should listen. And so those kind of things struck me. And I think that we've had people come here on a Sunday morning and tell me the same thing. Man, you guys worship differently than I'm used to. And I think that's a testimony of the Lord. But uh, between last week and this week, you've uh, you got a chance to hear... Uh, a Hindu lady from India come to Christ, a Californian from an atheist family, uh, a Pennsylvania girl from the middle of absolutely nowhere. I still don't know where in Pennsylvania, but somewhere which is nowhere. Um, and then uh, tonight, a Jewish young guy that uh, you know was raised certainly not in the scriptures, not in the New Testament scriptures at all. And for God to each, it just you know. Everyone's testimony. You've got some interesting people around you, whether you know it or not. Uh, and whoever you're talking to here, God has a unique, like a fingerprint, uh, way that he's drawn them. So we'll do two more next week. Um, and we're looking forward to uh, hearing a couple more. I hope these have been a blessing to you. I know for me, in the month of August, it's been a big help. Uh, I, I am working on several things. Uh, the new building, the move. Uh, I, matter of fact, I'm working on our new church bylaws, and I just got Calvary Chapel Auroras, of all places, <laughs> sent to me today. So, uh, because theirs are really good, and they actually in Colorado had started addressing uh, the marriage issue and other issues around our country uh, three or four years ago. They were kind of getting ahead of things because because of things in, in Colorado that were already taking place. So, actually, of all churches. 
I have auroras that I'm actually going through right now, <laughs> and uh, 29 pages uh, that I'm going through of that. And, uh, but, you know, this has been a great opportunity for uh, us to focus on several things that we really need to right now, and you to hear from your brothers and sisters and what the Lord is doing. Uh, but I'm encouraged when I hear other testimonies. I hope you are too. I'm looking forward to, uh, to hearing the next two. But why don't you stand as we'll close in prayer. <clears throat> And again, I, as, as a pastor, I'm just thankful that God brought Trevor from California, Shoba from India, Zach from Williamsburg slash Virginia Tech, you know, Nicole and Vic from Colorado, Tennessee, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, whatever else is in there, uh, and all, all along the way. Uh, you know, I tell our deacons and elders sometimes, I said, you know, where we have gaps, and we still have gaps in this ministry, we have I someday, I've told you, I want to see us to have someday a thriving college outreach to University of Richmond, VCU, and local community colleges. I really believe someday we will, if we're faithful with little, someday God will make us faithful with much. Uh, we are in Bonaire, someday we'll be in other incarcerated facilities uh, on top of that. We can't even fully man Bonaire yet, so I'm not trying to add more. We need to get the place where we have two by two in every unit that we go to. Amen, those of you that go. Uh, it's so much better to go into a unit with two people than by yourself. So when we get to that place, then we're able to move to the next step. But uh, as we continue to pray for what God will do next, um, some of our gaps, I mean, I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina, had no intention of being a pastor in Calvary Chapel, Richmond, when God moved me up here with a job transfer and said, little do you know, 10 years later, this is how uh, you'll be doing things. But I tell our deacons, elders sometimes, I said, you know, some of our gaps, there's someone living in New Mexico or Minnesota or Hawaii or wherever they may be, and God will bring them in just the right time as he's brought many of you. And so thank the Lord for not only the salvation, but as Nicole said, our life after salvation, Zach reiterated that as well. And so we look forward to seeing more of folks just like you brought to the Lord and even brought to help us as we reach this city for Christ. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time this evening. Thank you for, uh, Lord, the work of salvation and Nicole and in Zach and everyone here, Lord. I look forward uh, over time hearing the testimonies of all of my brothers and sisters, and I know they do as well. And Lord, the more we know about one another, the more we know how to pray and care for one another, and the more connected we become because you've called us not to be a church building but a family. And Lord, as we are a family, uh, you use us as a family to reach out uh, to those that are still in darkness and, Lord, to bring them into a family environment uh, where they can be accepted in the Beloved, accepted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we pray even now for our family members. I think of Zach's parents or Nicole's parents, uh, parents and uh, brothers and sisters, uh, family members, neighbors, coworkers, those that we have witnessed to over the years, those that, we those that we continue to pray for, we, Lord, we pray that even this year we would hear of their conversions, their coming to Christ. And Lord, I just pray specifically for uh, the family members of uh, both Zach uh, and Nicole that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Lord, bless the fellowship that will take place uh, now. Uh, we thank you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we do have uh, chocolate.